Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to conservation and careful management of the state's forests to make them more resilient and better habitats for wildlife. Choosewood.com. It's Thursday, May 11th. This is The Gateway. I'm Wayne Pratt. If prosecutors are the linchpin of the criminal justice system, what happens when there are too few attorneys to handle cases in a timely fashion? The current situation in St. Louis is, as far as I know, unprecedented. The office has come very close to basically being dismantled. We'll examine the staffing crisis at the St. Louis Circuit Attorney's Office in just a few minutes. Missouri Governor Mike Parson is asking for applications for the next St. Louis Circuit Attorney. St. Louis Public Radio's Jason Rosenbaum has more on what some area legislators want from the Republican governor. Parson is asking for people to apply by noon Monday to succeed St. Louis Circuit Attorney Kim Gardner, who is resigning on June 1st. Some political leaders expect Parson to appoint a Democrat, since that person would have a better chance of winning an election in 2024. State Representative Lakeisha Bosley of St. Louis says Parsons should consult with city leaders and the public. They are just going to pick who they want as they consider could be the right Democrat. And I don't think that that's their job. They need to come talk to us. Parsons said in a statement he'll announce Gardner's successor before she leaves on June 1st. In Jefferson City, I'm Jason Rosenbaum. St. Louis Public Radio. That application period is opening as the circuit attorney's office is under criticism by many for refusing charges against a woman arrested following a weekend shooting on Cherokee Street. The Post-Dispatch reports authorities are not proceeding with charges against the 33-year-old because of a lack of evidence and a victim's decision not to cooperate. The office says it's working closely with police and can't comment further. Two people were injured in that shooting. The injuries are not life-threatening. The newspaper reports charges could still be filed if there is new evidence. The Missouri legislature has passed a bill restricting transgender minors' access to gender-affirming health care. St. Louis Public Radio's Sarah Kellogg reports. The bill bars transgender minors from accessing gender-affirming care like puberty blockers and hormone therapy in Missouri. Members of the House voted 108 to 50 to send the legislation to Governor Mike Parson. House Democrats, like Representative Ian Mackey, who is gay, said the bill is a political ploy at the expense of a vulnerable part of Missouri's LGBTQ community. I don't care whether you meant to harm me or not. I'm still harmed, and these kids are still harmed. And... I just can't get over the politics of this. Part of the Senate bill barring medication-based treatment like puberty blockers expires after four years. The Senate bill also allows currently transitioning minors to continue prescribed treatments. In Jefferson City, I'm Sarah Kellogg, St. Louis Public Radio. Missouri could soon be putting significantly more money toward early childhood education. The legislature's budget includes tens of millions of dollars for pre-kindergarten programs. Gateway Science Academies is a charter school network that started offering pre-K this school year. Superintendent Ingen Blackstone says the funding will help as they aim to double available seats next year. We are hearing good news that it's going to be expanded. We are tuition-free as public charter schools, but for we expanded it to pre-K. We are not charging our pre-K students regardless, and this is going to help our schools to provide better opportunities to our pre-K population. Governor Mike Parson still has to sign the necessary bills. He called for increased pre-K funding during this year's State of the State Address. 
Three St. Louis members of the African People's Socialist Party, indicted by a federal grand jury on charges of being illegal Russian agents, have pleaded not guilty. St. Louis Public Radio's Chad Davis reports the party's leader says the indictment is an attack on freedom of speech. The three party members held their first public address in St. Petersburg, Florida. The indictment alleges that party chairman Omali Yashitela and members Penny Joan Hess and Jesse Neville were illegal Russian agents who sowed discord and misinformation through the party. It also alleges they had ties to a Russian national connected to the Russian government. It comes after the FBI raided the party's Uhuru Center in South St. Louis last July. Yashitela argues the indictments are political and violate the First Amendment. Free speech has to be afforded to black people. If it's not afforded to us, then there can be no free speech for anybody. And this is something everybody should understand. Lawyers say they're waiting for federal officials to detail their case. I'm Chad Davis, St. Louis Public Radio. St. Charles and Ameren have an agreement to give the utility access to a contaminated water well field. The deal allows Ameren to monitor the area. The Environmental Protection Agency is requiring the electric company to monitor the well field after concluding an Ameren substation was the source of contamination. Ameren also has to clean up the site. It has been negotiating with St. Charles since late last year on access to the water supply. The number of prosecutors working for St. Louis Circuit Attorney Kim Gardner is a moving target. Most reports indicate there are fewer than 10 assistants handling serious crimes, meaning caseloads of more than 100. That has serious implications across the criminal justice system. St. Louis Public Radio's Rachel Littman sat down with St. Louis University law professor Anders Walker to discuss the staffing crisis. What are some of the basic constitutional protections that all players within the criminal justice system need to abide by? The Constitution is very defendant-focused, so it really only protects defendants from being interrogated without an attorney present. They have a right to counsel, they have a right to remain silent, they have a right to be free from unlawful search and seizure, and they have a right to be free from cruel and unusual punishments. So defendants are supposed to be protected by the Constitution and from the prosecutor. What about the speedy trial aspects of constitutional rights? How is that impacted by the caseloads and lack of attorneys? Judges uh, referee that. They decide whether prosecutors have, for example, dropped a case and then refiled it and then dropped it again and then refiled it leading defendants to sit in jail for months, maybe years. That's been happening. What are the implications for the defendants? If a defendant is held without bond, then they go straight to jail. And they may be completely innocent. They're presumed to be innocent by law, actually. So they're all sitting in jail innocent, waiting desperately for some kind of adjudication, uh, ideally a trial, So it can be horrible. It can be horrible for defendants, their families, uh, and also for victims who want some resolution. So a prosecutor really is the linchpin in the whole criminal justice system. And how is that linchpin being weakened by the current staffing situation with the circuit attorney's office? The current situation in St. Louis is, as far as I know, unprecedented. The office has come very close to basically being dismantled completely. We're seeing police not being able to advance cases. 
No one is being either convicted or acquitted. The whole system is come close to collapse. What is the implication of this for community faith in the criminal justice system going forward? That is a very interesting question in this particular case because Kim Gardner won two elections. And her promise was never law enforcement. She never ran on a law enforcement platform. She never said she was going to put the bad guys away unless they were police. And one thing I've wondered is whether the community might have uh, had some support for grinding the system to a halt, for stopping the uh, inexorable arrest and then processing of defendants. I don't know. Of course, victims and their families are probably very upset. Uh, Defendants who are innocent are certainly upset. And I think there may be a sense in the community, people like Judge Noble, maybe Mayor Jones, felt like this is not how to do reform. This is chaos, and this is actually counterproductive. How does what is going on with the prosecutor's office alter the calculations for other players within the criminal justice system, like judges? How is that changing their need to balance public safety with the rights of defendants? So if a prosecutor doesn't show up, theoretically, the judge should dismiss the case. End of case, the state has not provided evidence, the defendant goes free. However, that did not happen. Instead, um, a couple of judges went for contempt orders, probably fearing that the people who were going to be prosecuted were extremely dangerous. And the judges themselves may have been a little worried about just releasing these individuals back on the streets. Again, going to the failure of reform. If you've got dangerous individuals who are being unleashed on the public, well, maybe that's going to undermine your overall project of trying to reduce the number of people in prison and trying to reform the police. And potentially allowing innocent people to sit in jail for longer. Exactly. Defendants, you'd think, would be uh, high on the list of individuals that the reform prosecutor would care about. But in this case, they just seem to fall by the wayside. I think there was a lot of collateral damage here. I think that Kim Garner did have a reform vision and, until the very end, hoped that she could effectuate it, but lost the fundamentals. That was St. Louis University law professor Anders Walker speaking with St. Louis Public Radio's Rachel Lippman. Our Fred Ehrlich edited that report. Ashley Listenby is the news director of St. Louis Public Radio, a listener-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Music by Ryan McNeely of Adult Fur. I'm Wayne Pratt. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association. Missouri produces wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details on the variety of products made in the state are at ChooseWood.com.